regarding Eric's call about the uh, new D&D movie feeling just like an old second edition game. Now you've uh, now you've got it. This is why everybody realizes 2E just is not OSR. Well, pockets up a beer or a cold libation. Let me tell you how I wrote this little theme. I went and took a call from brother Jason, and he tells me that he has a little dream. He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast, and I ask him what you got. He said I'll start up with some talking and some movie clips and popcorn fighting, fantasy explorations and some groundless exploitation, kickstarts that I'm watching and some blind unboxings, full month horror movie marathon. Sometimes I'll let the box come on, contest and of course you know it's all about games. That's a slowdown, let's just start with the name. It's the Nerds RPG Variety Welcome back to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. This is Jason, your host. I'm very happy that you're here today. Today is mostly a call-in show. Well, it's pretty much all call-in show. So uh, brace yourself for that. We have some interesting calls, though. But not all the calls made it into this show. I've got a bunch of calls stacked up. So I still have more calls that are going to be played. If you don't hear your call this episode, fear not, your call will be played. Um... If at any time I'm not going to play a call, I will let you know that or I will address it specifically on the air that I received a call and I'm not playing it for this reason. But at the moment, I don't have any calls that I'm not going to play. I just am keeping the episode length down to a reasonable bit. Before we move on, oh, to tell you what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk a little bit about the D&D movie. We're going to talk about play-by-post games, specifically my Boot Hill game that's being spun up. We're going to talk about is called Cthulhu Fun. We're going to talk about meta mechanics, meta currencies a little bit, and we're going to talk a little bit about premature imagination. So if those things, also we're going to talk about how the love of money predates capitalism. So lots of fun topics today. Before we get into that though, I want to mention I have a contest going on and you're running out of time. You have until August 17th August 17th is the deadline to call in or reach out to me. You can send, you can call using the Anchor app. You can go to the Anchor website and leave a message there. You can send an email to nerdsrpgvarietycast at gmail.com. If you attach an audio file to it, I'll play it on the air and make you famous. You can reach out to me on a variety of discords. If you send me a text message of some sort, an email or a message on Discord, I will read it aloud. If you send a voice message. I will play it on the air. But the contest is about what is your favorite Lovecraftian movie and why do you feel it's Lovecraftian? Now, these don't have to be direct adaptations of Lovecraft's work, just something that feels Lovecraftian to you, and you get to define what Lovecraftian is. So why would you enter this contest? Well, one, it's fun. We're going to play all the entries on the air on the award show. And Well, actually, let me back up a little bit. This contest is sponsored so this is being sponsored by Raven Guy Games, and Joe over at Raven Guy Games is going to be, we're going to send a package to whoever wins, wherever you are in the world, we're going to mail you a physical copy of Eldritch Tales, White Box Lovecraftian Role Playing, and the Eldritch Inquirer Issue 1. So you're going to get a physical reward, plus I will work with whoever wins 
to donate some money to a charity that we can agree on. So it's really a win-win thing. There won't be an objective winner because everybody that enters is a winner. What we're going to do is put all the names in a hat and pull out a random name, and that person will get the prizes. So all you have to do is send the messages in by August 17th, by the end, by midnight, August 17th, your time, whatever time that is. And yeah, so get those entries in. I only have a few entries so far to this contest. So your chance of winning is really good. And, the, you know, you're actually getting a physical prize mailed to you. Plus, we're giving money to charity. So it really is win-win. So get those entries in. And I, I want to thank Joe Salvador over at Raven Guy Games for supporting this contest and sponsoring this contest. He will actually come on the air during the award show and talk about the movies that you guys call in. And we're going to look forward to that. Okay, that's enough advertising on that front. I am going to get into the calls now. And I hope you enjoy it. Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Well, maybe it's your auntie or a joke by your spouse, but the operator's scream is coming from inside the house. We opened up the show with a call from Taylor of Clericsware Ringmail Media Empire on the D&D movie. So let's continue with D&D movie calls. First up is Rich of Cockatrice Nuggets giving us a pitch for his ideal D&D movie. Okay, here's my pitch for an OSR movie. It's done like the series 24, right? where it's a two-hour movie and the whole movie takes two hours, right? It's got the little timer in the corner taken down and uh, everybody's concerned about how many rations do we have? How much, uh, how many torches do we have? Do we have enough oil, right? And the first like 20 minutes of it is them gearing up, right? It's just this montage of fucking torches going down on the table, being bundled up, you know, uh, backpacks being cinched on. Um, I'd watch that movie. Hell, I'd play that game. Rich, I would watch that movie, and I would play in that game just like you would. I think that could be a lot of fun. We don't see enough movies, I think, take this tack. A movie's got a set time frame, so you can definitely... I don't think there are enough real-time sequences in movies. I, I think that's a great point. You know, we have time-lapse sequences a lot, but you don't see that many real-time sequences. So, yeah, I would love to see a movie like that. Okay, next up we have Spencer, also known as Free Thrall, from Keep Off the Borderlands, at the moment still using the Anchor app to call in. And he's going to take umbrage with something Joe over at Hindsightless said. Hey Jason, I just heard Joe Richter say that um, Conan is the closest we've got at the moment to a and d movie, I mean prior to the release of this new one. But... Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't this the fourth D&D movie? Technically, you're right, Spencer. But I will say what Joe is referring to is something I've said, and I think other people have said, that Conan the Destroyer, the second Conan movie, is the best example of a decent D&D movie we've had, where you have a party that works together, and generally, it's a decent quality movie. 
I, I don't think the other D&D movies count as decent movies, in, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I think that's where he was coming from there. But you're, you're not wrong. This is the fourth attempt to bring a, a good D&D movie, an official D&D movie, to the screen. Last up on the movie talk, we have Daniel of the Bandits Keep Media Empire reminding us how revolutionary George Lucas's vision really was. You know, it's funny you mentioned the Battle Wizards being contemporary with Star Wars. There are so many things that are contemporary with Star Wars within the next couple of years or whatever that just, if you look at Star Wars, you're like, what? <laughs> it was so amazing in its time. And I think sometimes people forget that when they look at it because they see all the, the great special effects we have today. But in the time, man, Star Wars was holy crap. So, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. I'm actually calling in to disagree with Eric, but also agree with him. <laughs> uh, in the sense that it's D&D has always been high fantasy, high power, high magic. The OSR is not old school D&D. It's what a bunch of people think that old school D&D would have been if they weren't 10 years old when they were playing it. <laughs> we also had named swords playing BX. OD&D itself is full of magic. It's 100% Monty Hall. That's where that comes from. Powerful characters. If you listen to or read the stories that Gygax says about the early uh, stuff with Arnis and playing, this is people getting turned to stone and then turned back and demons, you know, spitting acid. Yeah, D&D has always been crazy, super high magic, at least the ability to be it. Not everybody's D&D is that. So, yeah, this is not anything new. So I agree with him that it's high magic and that's D&D, &D, but I don't agree that it's new. <laughs> I think it's always been D&D. &D. That being said, D&D &D has always also been darker and wargamey and, you know, guys on the battlefield and not super high magic. And that's the thing. There's lots of different ways. So no matter what they do with the movie, it's not going to please everybody. Basically, you're going to find the market segment that you think is going to appreciate the movie that you're making, then you want to find the biggest market segment, and you're going to make it, right? Uh, so, right, Marvel movies, superhero movies, that lighthearted uh, adventure is doing well, including things like Dumanji and like that kind of stuff. This is where with the movie to make, right? So it makes 100% sense. I agree with you. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that, like what Rob said, I think that's pretty much the most negative <laughs> I've heard is the, uh, they could have done something else, but it is what it is. I'm not really in superhero movies. I, I haven't heard anybody really hating on it, but again, maybe it's the circles on it. Preach it, brother. No, I I don't doubt there were people that played, you know, what we call the pathetic aesthetic, which is more of a British thing, but in the U.S. when D&D &D was started, but D&D &D has always had a ton of power in there. And, you know, you go from the earliest games, hell, go back to Blackmore, pre-D&D, &D, where you had PC vampires and... You know, they're in charge of kingdoms and stuff. So, yeah, I, the, I'm i not saying there's anything wrong with the low-powered, you know, play first to fifth level kind of game with using BX. That can be 100% super fun, but that wasn't the only way D&D was played. So, yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. As far as marketing strategies, yeah, I mean, as you know, I, I agree with you. I, I think this is a smart way for them to go with the movie, and we're going to see if that pans out for him. Okay, let's switch gears a little bit. Hey, Jason. Daniel from Keep calling in about the... Again, I'm out of order here, but and back. 
But uh, you're talking about using the cyberpunk system, the interlock for Western in a play-by-post. Uh, you know, I wonder, I have very little experience with play-by-post, uh, but I know that the one that I was in with you with the AD&D, it took like, I, I mean, I might be exaggerating, but it was something like a month to do that combat because um, AD&D is slightly complicated with combat. I think that interlock being super cool, but also complicated for a play-by-post might just be a nightmare. Uh, you know, and again, this is coming from very little experience, so that could be way off. I think in a play-by-post, the games that theoretically, at least as I see it, would work best are the ones that are much more narrative, because that way the player can have some freedom to say, oh, that's what I'm going to do, and then it will just happen. It won't be like, okay, well, now let's see what happens here and roll this and then roll that. Now, of course, if all of the actual fighting and stuff is done, I'm going to say virtually in person, I don't know, like on a VTT, then I guess that would solve that problem. But if we're talking about doing the combat play-by-post, I, I found that actually to hmm, to not be so great. <laughs> Personally, uh, for the ad game, I thought it was just very tedious and slow, especially with a lot of players. So that's just my opinion on play-by-post with complex systems. It has nothing to do with the actual game. I thought the AD&D game was pretty cool, but, you know, again, a month to do a combat was just uh, not so interesting is the best way I'll say it. <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know, it, I would be down to actually to do a play-by-post Boot Hill game, but I feel like the interlock system is just too, too complex. With Boot Hill, you could basically, since I think it's like two, maybe three percentile rolls, you could just roll all three every time you make an attack. Of course, maybe I'm just not understanding the interlock system that well, and maybe it would be the same thing there. I know it is a percentile system. We only played that one session and it didn't seem that complicated, but there was all this like, oh, I know how to break the system. You just shoot him in the kneecap where there's no armor, which again was not something I love, which is something you can't do, at least if not in second edition Boot Hill, as far as I know, you can't just call a shot, which is exactly what I would do now whenever I play Cyberpunk, because that's literally how you beat everybody. <laughs> so anyways... I'm probably exaggerating as usual, but you know what I'm saying. Um, but I, I'm totally down for Westerns. We were actually just chatting on Discord. I, any kind of Western game. I, it makes me want to spin up some Westerns myself because they're so fun to play. And I, and like you, I like the idea of playing them in the you know fictional but real, air quoting, real world. So, you know, not necessarily uh, dragons <laughs> or whatever it would be. It's uh, Cthulhu, you know, just straight up gunfights and uh, the West. In the preamble, I mentioned Daniel's going to talk about play-by-post, and there you go. You're, you're not wrong with the AD&D. It did take a long time, and I think that's one of the reasons that game fizzled out, because I was trying, I was doing it rules as written, even though some people say you can't play rules as written. And the problem being that people just got bored with it. And I can totally understand that, because, you know, when you're doing effectively two posts a week, where everybody posts and then... The GM posts their posts 12 or 24 hours later, and then a couple days, everybody put everybody has a couple days to put up the next post. So effectively, the story moves forward twice a week. So, you know, people declare what they're going to do, and then we wait a few days. And then people, you know, roll whatever, and then we wait a few days. And then people do the next step. And now we, as soon as everybody posted, we were moving forward, I think, for the most part. But, yeah, it definitely went slow. One thing that can speed that up, we were playing on Discord, and of course rolling the dice on Discord, so there really was no reason I couldn't have rolled all the dice as the GM. 
And I think I might have even asked that and kind of got pe people didn't want that. But the advantage of the GM rolling all the dice, of course, is I can do all that a lot quicker. I did that with the previous Boot Hill game I ran, and, and we'll see. Now, Daniel has joined our Boot Hill play-by-post. That's still in the planning stages. I didn't have the whole world mapped out and everything locked in prior to inviting players because I wanted them to be part of that. So we're still knocking out the ground rules and how we're going to do it. And there'll probably be a week after that where I finish getting things ready and then that'll launch. So I'll let folks know how that's going, you know, as it progresses. The AD&D game actually has been picked up by Brian over. I have to look that up. So that game is back live, which is great. Looking forward to seeing how that goes. But I think that's it for play-by-post news right now. Oh, Interlock. So I think Interlock, if the players know it, it can go really fast. The key is people have to know what they're going to do and declare it when their turn comes up, just like any of these games. I, I don't know that Interlock would be that bad. Interlocks, of course, all you need are D20 and D6 to, to play, or D, D10 and D6, right? And um, I use D20s when I, for D10s. But, yeah, it's D10 and D6 is all Interlock uses. And, and actually, it's a pretty quick-moving game once everybody's in the groove. I, I think it would be okay play-by-post. But we're, we're actually using Boot Hill 2nd Edition rules, so that's not going to be the case here. And I do really still like the idea of doing play-by-post, and then if you can get together, for if you're going to have a combat, if we can arrange when everybody can get together, you do that as an online session. I think that would go really well. And I still do plan to run that Street Fighter RPG, the White Wolf 90 Street Fighter game, at some point where it'll be a bi-weekly game. And every week, or every every online game, every two weeks, that will be a tournament. You know, So it'll be a different exotic location. That'll be an exotic thing. But then we'll do effectively play-by-post on Discord, people posting back and forth to further the story between the games. So that's kind of my goal for that game. But for the Boot Hill game, we're, we're going to do it all on Discord, I think. Because we have people all over the world, so it'd be, it'd be kind of tough to sync up time schedules. Okay, let's move on to the next subject, which is the Anchor Apocalypse. First off, I want to say over on Phantom Thoughts, the Phantom, the Phantom, the Pink Phantoms podcast, he has investigated a new option. So if you heard my last episode, John Lennon mentioned... Free Story, which is a alternative to Anchor. And so the Pink Phantom researched that. It sounds a little bit sketchy, but I'll let you make your own decision on that. And there's a link to the Pink Phantom's episode where he talks about that in the show notes. But I also received a call about the Anchor Apocalypse from Joe over Hindsightless. So let's hear what he has to say. At least I can still call. This is probably my last message from my old house. It's Friday morning. Movers are coming in a couple hours. Shit's crazy. But you guys talking about technology and how it's technology's fault that we keep losing things like Anchor and the awesomeness of the community. It's not technology's fault. It's capitalism's fault. This is purely a money-making tactic. This is solely capitalism's fault. Don't blame technology nothing in the technology changed right they just changed platforms to a way that they would think would make them more money just like what uh facebook is doing trying to be more like TikTok, and it's it's all <laughs> strictly about money it's got nothing to do with technology man so 
if you're gonna call it out, let's let's be honest about it. Let's call it out, dude. <laughs> Love you, man. Talk to you soon. Peace out. Now that call is a little more political than I normally like on the show, but since I have no problem attacking red communism, uh, I'll let Joe get his little dig in. But let's be honest, the love of wealth and the desire to accumulate wealth has nothing to do with capitalism. Zero, zilch, nada. It predates capitalism by millennia. King Midas wasn't a capitalist, right? Come on, let, let, dragons aren't capitalists, right? So the love of wealth has nothing to do with that. Now, do I think that Spotify's decision is driven by money? Sure, of course it is. That you know, they 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 have responsibility their their shareholders and and stakeholders and whatnot, and they really don't care about us. And that's fine. That's their choice. But at some point, we'll jump ship over that. I mean, you look at over HBO Max this whole debacle of canceling Batgirl and canceling a bunch of the HBO scripted shows. Some guy, I guess Discovery bought Warner Brothers or or whatever. Somebody with the Discovery Channel, I guess, kind of bought out or took control of the other properties in that conglomerate. I, I should look at a story so I know what I'm talking about, but it's something like that. And so now the guy in charge was in charge of Discovery, I guess, where they have all the shit reality TV shows that... I, I hate reality TV. Reality TV to me is the worst thing... The worst thing that happens in social media, right? And so... And yeah, you're going to call in Discord social media, Jason... Online forums or social media, Jason. Yeah, I, I, I'll give you that. Um, but you know what I say, what I mean when I say social media. I'm talking about the toxic nature of modern social media, of a lot of forms of modern social media. But anyway, I hate reality TV. And apparently they've gone in, they've canceled a bunch of the scripted shows. They're, they're cutting a bunch of HBO Max employees. This $90 million Batgirl movie done by the directors of Bad Boys for Life and the Ms. Marvel series over on Disney. Plus, they, they've, you know, you've got Michael Keaton back as Batman. They've canceled that movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's crap. And, and I'm very unhappy about that. But, you know, I have no control over that. So if they, if they do indeed keep moving that direction, what I'll end up doing is just canceling my subscription and continuing to buy the shows I like in box sets on DVD and Blu-rays. There's a reason we still have physical media, and it's because we don't trust these people from taking our, the shows we like off the air. What can I say? Okay, that's enough on that. But it's a money thing, not just a capitalist thing. And the love uh, and, and lecher not lechery, um, what, what's the word I want? Anyway, the, the lusting after money has nothing to do with capitalism. That's, a, that's, a, that's part of human nature, Joe. That's all I have to say about that. But let's do move to another call from Joe that's less contentious. Last episode, I had Dr. Carl Rodriguez, and he, and he actually is a doctor, believe it or not. Not a medical doctor, but he actually has a doctorate, and, which shouldn't be hard to believe if you listen to him. Carl's very well-spoken, very well-educated. He does a lot of research and things he does. He does a lot of great games where he does a lot of historical research and puts the games historical settings. Um, but anyway... Dr. Carl joined me to talk about premature imagination. And I've got a couple calls about that topic. So take it away, Joe. 
Yo, dude, awesome episode with Carl, man. Uh, yeah, you were talking about DCs and Pathfinder and 3.5 and stuff and talking about just giving a crazy DC if a character was trying to do something. I heard uh, from Demonac on one of his episodes, he said that in 3.5, the DC for running on a cloud running on clouds was a DC 300 acrobatics check. <laughs> and in 3.5, I don't know if you can in Pathfinder, but I'm pretty sure in 3.5 you could. You could probably get pretty close to that with bonuses. <laughs> so I just think that's amazing. Anyway, dude. Uh, <clears throat> oh, but also, last thing. I thought you were all supposed to be knife safety conscious man i've never even cut myself while doing an unboxing what's up dude oh remember always cut towards yourself peace out so joe oh by the way folks joe is in his new house his internet is up and he appeared with me and eric sawsweet on the latest episode of cerebrivore which dropped earlier the day this episode dropped i'll put a link in the show notes it's not really a roundtable discussion like we normally do. What we're doing there is Eric is spinning up a ICRPG Vigilante City game, and we're creating characters for that game. So it's just 40 minutes, a couple guys sitting around, or a few guys sitting around, creating characters for a game, BSing. If you're interested in that game, reach out to me, and I can put you in touch with Eric, and if it fits in your time schedule, it's going to be 9 p.m. Central Time on Thursdays. So if you're interested in checking out ICRPG Vigilante City, reach out to me and maybe you can play with us. Uh, anyway, as far as the... Now I totally lost what I was thinking about there. Oh, well, there, there's no way I could possibly listen to what I've already recorded, so I'll just have to move forward. Is Oh, Joe, Joe's got his internet back. That's what it was. Now, as far as the knife thing goes, I'm pretty sure somewhere on my show and on Joe's show, there are, we, we've got him telling stories of how he's cut himself. And I know I've cut myself opening things before. Um, maybe Joe hasn't cut himself doing an unboxing, but I know he's cut himself with a knife before. So it's a little bit ironic, but if you don't, haven't heard all of Joe, if you're not familiar with Joe, you might not realize that. We have one more call about the episode with Carl, and that is from Colin over the Spike Pit podcast. Actually, I guess Spike Pit has a media empire because he has a Patreon, and he has a YouTube channel, and he has a podcast, and he's a teacher, which is one of the most awesome jobs in the world, so Colin's a cool guy, and I'm very happy that you called in. Oh, Jace, uh, just calling in because I thoroughly enjoyed that most recent episode regarding premature imagination. I, uh, no surprise, agree entirely with uh, Spencer when it comes to well, what I'd consider a traditional RPG where you're not putting the fiction first, I totally kind of describe my intention and, and then see how it plays out from there. It, it springs from that, that question, you know, the, the classic question from the DM, uh, what do you want to do? Uh, and then you respond, roll the dice uh, and, and take it from there. So... Um, seems like a fairly open and shut case on the face of it complicated somewhat by more modern games where you've got the fiction coming first and ideas of failing forward which I quite enjoy as well but it takes me a little while to get into the groove with those type of games because I've played so much 
of the, the, the more traditional. So um, assuming that my actions are going to work out based on my description alone uh, uh, is, is not so um, intuitive to me, I guess. But I, I love either way. And then Anthony, the old runeslinger there, making that the, the perfect analogy for me uh, of the, the jazz band or pretty much any decent band. When, when I approach an RPG, I feel that is the experience I'm looking for. I tend to play in established groups and like a good band, we've got many hours together at the table you could liken the, the DM to perhaps the rhythm section or a drummer laying down the, the, the groove, the bass player jumping in and then various other musicians hopping in with their embellishments or chord prog progressions, lead breaks, stuff like that. And um, if, if, if you continue with the analogy, when a band is not listening to each other, not responding. It, it, it just stands out like a sore thumb, and it's it's just it's just not happening. Everybody's working against each other, doing different things, um, and it, it all it all falls apart. I see no difference with the collaborative storytelling type of endeavour that I enjoy at the table, and and when I say collaborative storytelling it doesn't mean we're sitting there just kind of playing pretend and and uh, telling tales you know the, the the story can be generated by random tables dice rolls could be tactical combat could it could it could be uh, like, like in a skirmish game as well but I always feel there's this this narrative that's going on and for me I love it when everybody's chipping in and bouncing ideas off of each other and there's a, a, a two-in and a throw-in um, between everybody at the table. I, I feel that is the, the magic of RPGs that is so difficult to capture in uh, other endeavours. But yeah, the music analogy, I love that, love that. Anyway, keep up the good work and I'll catch you later. Colin, I couldn't agree more. The two-ing and the throwing is what makes RPGs magical. There's no doubt about it. Um, and the jazz analogy that Anthony or Runeslinger or Casting Shadows brought up is a great one. So I, I really don't have much to add to that other than I think you bring up a good point. Sometimes once you've played one kind of RPG for a long time, it's hard to switch gears to the other as far as a storytelling style. And I, I think we're going to see that a little bit as I transition over to GMing play-by-post, where normally as a online GM or a live GM, I tend to like to let the players talk a lot and I you know, react off the players and all that, which is all things I'm going to do with play-by-post. But I'm also going to have, because we're not talking, <laughs> you don't think about how much you actually talk. I have to type all, type out the world and all that. So it's going to take a lot more from me, which is one of the reasons I want to do play-by-post because I really want to practice that writing and get back into doing doing that. And I think it'll be a good challenge for me. But also I hope to help the players 
to develop a fun collaborative story with me. And I look forward to seeing where that goes. Okay, now we're getting into the last part of the show. And this is what the title of the show, the titular part of the show. This is Daniel over at Bandit's Keep. And he's a little bit, well, let's just say Call Cthulhu isn't his favorite system. Hey, Jason. Thanks for answering my question about Call Cthulhu 7th Edition. Yeah, I actually really agree with you. I, I'm not a huge fan of the uh, meta mechanics in that type of game, right? It's like you are, oh, you're going to push it. I don't know. I, I think you're right in a sense that that might be a little bit tricky. Maybe a better mechanic would be if you knew you need to succeed on something that you get to push it before you try. Like, hey, I'm going to push this. I want the extra bonus die or whatever they call it. And then if I fail, then I'm extra in trouble as opposed to changing the narrative of what happens. Yeah, that, that kind of actually makes sense more now that I'm kind of looking at it. Not that I'm a game designer, <laughs> but or maybe I am. But yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. And, and that makes a lot of sense as to those changes if that wasn't in an earlier edition. I've actually only played 7th edition, so I really don't have much to go on beyond that. Well, and Pulp. Hey, Daniel. Yeah, that's my problem with... So it's supposed to be a horror game and it's supposed to be an investigation game, but yet we're doing retcons. And effectively, that's what, like, the push-the-roll mechanic is, as I understand it. Now, I'm not a super expert on Call Cthulhu 7th Edition, so Carl Rodriguez or one of the other experts can call in correct me. But my understanding is you push the roll, effectively try to re-roll, redo the roll after you fail. So I'm trying to pick the lock, I fail, and I'm going to push this roll Okay, describe how you, what you're doing differently. Well, I'm going to reach over to Joni's, and I'm going to pull the bobby pin out from her hair, and I'm going to use that to help my lockpicks. And if you roll, you succeed. Great. If you fail, oh, your lockpicks broke, and you made a lot of noise, that kind of thing. But And I realize you're still kind of in the discussion of what's happening, but it still feels like a retcon to me, where Daniel's idea there, well, there's a really important role. I'm going to push it, and I know if I fail, it's going to be a more serious consequence. I like that better because it doesn't feel like a retcon to me. I do think there are games where meta mechanics and things are very important to have. I, I think they're useful having hero points and having the extra points, like saying Barbarians Lamoria, where you can do heroic things with your characters. I think that's important. I think that having the ability to do flashbacks and leverage kind of game, or like Wise Guys, you know, Savage Worlds, Gangster Game, I think that's really important. But in an investigative game and a serious game that's supposed to be ominous and foreboding, I think those things hurt the mood. And that's just my opinion, the opinion of one person who, you know, is not part of the industry. So take it for what it is. Now, before we move the rest of Daniel's calls, I'm going to play a call by Spencer, who disagrees with Daniel about the flow of social interactions with Cogthula. Hey, Jason. See, I'm not entirely sold on this idea that um, rolling for social interactions in Call of Cthulhu is some kind of failing of the system. Um, 
I don't really see why you would have to wreck on anything. You know, if you do your spiel and you, you, you know, you talk a good game, but your fast tool roll is poor, there could be any number of reasons why what you're saying didn't hit home with the guard or whatever. He might have been given strict instructions not to let anyone through, or he may have been distracted by something, or any number of things could have happened that don't necessarily mean you have to retcon what you've said. It just didn't have the desired effect. Is that not true? I don't know. Enjoying the show. Take care, man. Now, I've sent that call to Daniel to get a response, but Daniel's currently at Gen Con, so we'll probably get his response in a future episode. But Daniel has a little more to say on Call Cthulhu, and he has a question for you, the listener, regarding why you find Call Cthulhu to be a fun game or a satisfying game to play. And maybe this is a topic for, maybe I should make this podcast, um, but I'm trying to keep mine focused on my game design. Um, you know, one thing that I think is really interesting about a game like Call of Cthulhu is that, so if you do stick with, let's say we get rid of the meta currency and the characters are very frail and they're almost certainly going to go insane or die, what is the fun of the game to, uh, to people? Is it the investigation? Because if that's the case, isn't the investigation really just the GM holding your hand? Because you have to find the clues, right? We've all discussed many times that if you're playing an investigative game and you just let the players fail and they don't get the clues, that sucks. So you look at something like um, Gumshoe, right, or how people generally run Cthulhu and say, that's how you're supposed to, even though the rules don't say it. And you just give them the clues almost no matter what they do then what exactly is the game? Isn't it just a story game at that point? And why not play a story game? We run a story game and then in the end you go insane. And of course, I'm not saying this is a bad thing. <laughs> I'm just more throwing it out there as we're talking about Cthulhu and, and that type of thing. And maybe you're not even the, <laughs> the person that wants to talk about it. But if anybody's listening and they have, they love that game. I mean, I know people that love Cthulhu. They think it's the best game ever. I'd be curious as to what is the end game there? Is the end game just, you just like the mythos and you like living those characters, so it's more of a story game? Or do you think you really actually have a chance to survive? Or that you're being clever when you solve the mysteries, even though the the keeper, I think I said Jim earlier, um, is ultimately going to give it to you anyways? I'd be curious what people think. And uh, (laughs) you can call into the Nerds RPG Variety Cast (laughs) using the Anchor app until they take that away. I feel like when I call into your show that some of my calls seem super passionate <laughs> and over the top. And other times I seem like I'm like asleep, even though they're within five minutes of each other. I don't know. I think it probably has to do with what I'm actually doing, but it's starting to rain. So I'm like running around recording this quickly. So if that sounded like overly passionate, I apologize. Daniel, I don't think you sound too passionate. I like passionate callers. So I, I enjoyed those calls. Everybody, please call your responses into Daniel's questions to the show and I'll play them in a future episode and get Daniel on here to discuss. Maybe I'll get him on here live, well, where he and I are live at least, and and we'll play the calls together and discuss your calls together. So call those in. You can use the app. You can use all the methods I mentioned at the beginning of the show, all the same ways you can enter the contest. You can also leave me messages that way. So I want to thank all my callers. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the input you gave to the show. I want to thank you, the listener, for taking time out to listen. I want to thank Ray Otis for the Coffee Cup Clip Art, TJ Drennan for the wonderful music. 
And I just want to say, be excellent to one another. Joke about your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head, and the only question left is if I fail to shoot him dead. Bring on the gold, bring on the gold. I want some Sure is a dustman in your moilers by the tipper And I'm assuming that your partner back there in the wood chipper Don't look away